Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health Without Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, I'm going to address a reader's question about which is the safest over-the-counter painkiller for an older adult. I recently published an answer to this on the website, but since this is such an important topic and common source of confusion among people, I wanted to address it on the podcast as well. So let me start by reading you the question, and then I'll explain which over-the-counter painkiller we consider the safest in geriatrics. I'll also explain which very commonly used painkillers are actually much riskier than most people realize. And then I'll finish with some tips on better management of pain and safe use of over-the-counter medications. So, the question. My 88-year-old mother often complains of various aches and pains. What is the safest over-the-counter painkiller for her to take? Aren't some of them bad for your liver or kidneys? Now, before I go into which painkiller is safest, generally safest, for older adults... Let me start off by saying that frequent aches and pains are indeed a very common problem for older adults, but if an older person has been complaining of pain, it's really important to make sure that this has been carefully evaluated by the doctor. And that's because frequent pain can be the sign of an important underlying health problem that needs attention. Now, people often just assume that pain is common in older adults, that it must be due to generalized arthritis, and they, they may blow it off. And actually, a certain number of doctors may blow it off too. I've certainly had people tell me this, that they mentioned it to the doctor who kind of waved it off and said, well, what do you expect? You're getting older. Nonetheless, there are many things that can cause generalized aches and pains. So for instance, medication side effects are sometimes a cause, or people can have a more substantial underlying um, problem in the body that's causing it. So even if it's been brought up in the past, you want to make sure, especially if it's changed in any way or if it's getting worse, you want to bring it up to the doctor to get that evaluation and to look and to try to identify what are uh, what is the cause or often causes, because it is common for their to be multiple things that might be causing pain. Um, So for instance, somebody might have a certain amount of pain from some generalized osteoarthritis. That's the most common cause of arthritis in older adults. It's the kind of wear and tear arthritis. So for instance, it is indeed very common for people to have some chronic achiness in their back or in their joints. But if they also are having burning or tingling in um, their feet or hands, then that might be the sign of a nerve pain. So you want to make sure that pain gets evaluated and gets followed up on, uh, one, to identify the causes, and two, because the best way to help somebody uh, manage pain or treat pain and improve it is to correctly identify what's causing it and then try to figure out a management plan that addresses that. 
And also, once you've identified potential causes of pain, we are going to talk about the safest over-the-counter painkiller, but always remember that medications should never be the only way to manage a health problem in older adults. Usually, there are many non-drug approaches as well, and the best is to do a kind of comprehensive approach that combines careful use of medication with other approaches that are likely to improve the pain. Now, over-the-counter medications do have an important role to play. First of all, they're medications that people can get on their own without waiting to see a doctor. So it's important to be knowledgeable about your options when you go to the drugstore. And in this podcast, I'm going to focus on what's available in the United States. Of course, there are different medications that are available in other countries uh, without a prescription. So over-the-counter medications are one more easily available to people. And two, they're often the first line. They're the first things that we might try that even as doctors, we might recommend people try when we are starting to use medications for pain. And that's because we usually use a stepped approach where we start with medications that are uh, uh, milder or less likely to have serious side effects. And then we move our way up to stronger medications as needed. So let me now tell you which over-the-counter painkiller geriatricians usually consider the safest. And the answer is that for most older adults, the safest over-the-counter painkiller for daily or frequent use is acetaminophen, and the brand name is Tylenol. And that's provided that you're careful to not exceed a total daily dose of 3,000 milligrams per day. Now, if you're outside the United States, acetaminophen is called paracetamol. So you may have heard that acetaminophen can cause liver problems. This is absolutely true. It is processed by the liver, but it only causes harm to the liver when it's in high doses. Now, in high doses, uh, it causes liver inflammation, and in uh, high enough doses, it can cause uh, life-threatening liver failure. So if an older person has a history of alcohol abuse because alcohol Chronic alcohol abuse also inflames the liver. Or if an older person has a history of chronic liver disease, then an even lower daily limit of acetaminophen would be necessary. And in general, if you find yourself or if you find that your older parent or older relative is using an over-the-counter painkiller often, let's say several times a week or every day, it's important to bring it up to the doctor to make sure that there aren't any other health considerations that would make this riskier than you realize. But it's especially important to do this if you are using any over-the-counter medications that contain acetaminophen and there's been any concern about liver um, problems or alcohol use. That said, for people with normal livers, and many older adults have fairly well-functioning livers, you can use acetaminophen on a daily basis, and as long as the daily dose is less than 3,000 milligrams a day, it generally doesn't cause any substantial um, side effects or risk. So this is basically a medication that is quite safe and causes fewer side effects than many medications that we use in older adults, but that's assuming that you uh, use it correctly and stick with that dosing where you don't exceed 3,000 milligrams total per day. And the tricky thing about acetaminophen is that 
it's included often in all kinds of other medications, both over-the-counter and prescription medications. So for instance, acetaminophen is in NyQuil, and it is in Theraflu, and it is in Excedrin. It's also in prescription medications like Vicodin and Percocet. So it's actually fairly common that people are taking more daily acetaminophen than they realize. And this can be dangerous because there are a certain uh, number of emergency room visits every year which are due to acetaminophen toxicity. And the research suggests that 40% of acetaminophen overdose cases are accidental. Now, over half of them are uh, intentional, um, suicide attempts or other attempts to self-harm, but that's less common among older adults. So you may be thinking, well, okay, it might sound safe enough, but there is that risk of liver problems and you have to look at all the other medications and make sure you're not taking extra and isn't there something better? So let's talk about the most common alternative that people turn to, which is actually much, I would say, riskier to be using on a daily basis if you're an older adult. And in the U.S., when you go into the drugstore, your other option, if you want an over-the-counter painkiller, are usually two medications. It's usually either ibuprofen, the brand name is Advil or Motrin, and then the other one is naproxen. The brand name is Aleve or Naproxen or sometimes Anaprox. So both of these medications, ibuprofen and naproxen, are in the same class of medications, which is called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And the acronym is NSAID, and we in medicine commonly refer to them as NSAIDs. So you may be familiar with these medications. Many of us uh, use these over-the-counter painkillers for headache or for joint aches. They are actually fairly effective. They're also effective for fever, but they're anti-inflammatories. And for most people, they do provide noticeable relief within an hour. And uh, I'll be honest, when I'm having an ache or a pain somewhere or a headache, this is the medication that I personally turn to. But I'm going to probably have to stop doing that at some point as I get older, because I know that these medications are actually fairly risky for older adults. So let me tell you why. So it turns out that unlike acetaminophen, which usually doesn't become much riskier as people get older, NSAIDs have known side effects that become especially likely to cause harm as people age and their bodies become more vulnerable. Now, NSAIDs, as far as we know, don't particularly affect the mind or memory, so you can rest easy on that front. But here's what they do do. An important thing they do is they increase the risk of bleeding in the stomach, small bowel, or colon. And every year, there are tens of thousands of older adults who are hospitalized because of bleeds that are related to NSAIDs. And you're especially at higher risk for bleeding if you're an older person who's already taking a daily aspirin or a blood thinner, which a certain number of older adults are doing. You also may have already heard this, but NSAIDs irritate the stomach lining. This is part of why it's often recommended that you take them with food. And this can cause stomach pain or even peptic ulcer disease. And again, as people get older, many of them tend to become more vulnerable to problems with the stomach lining. Then NSAIDs have a whole series of effects on the kidney 
And this means that they can uh, reduce kidney function somewhat. And since many older adults already have some decreased kidney function or otherwise have vulnerable kidneys, seniors are especially at risk for experiencing kidney side effects from chronic use of NSAIDs. This can also cause interference with high blood pressure medications because many, although not all, high blood pressure medications create their effect by interacting with the kidneys. And NSAIDs are also known to um, sometimes cause fluid retention, which can cause or worsen problems such as heart failure. That's a common problem that is related to retaining fluid. Now, these side effects are all unlikely to happen if you just once take a dose of over-the-counter ibuprofen or naproxen because your knee is hurting or your back is hurting. But these side effects do come up when people take these medications every day or several times a week. And because of these well-known risks and side effects of NSAIDs in older adults, in 2009, the American Geriatric Society recommended that older adults avoid using NSAIDs for the treatment of chronic persistent pain. And even today, they remain on our beers list of medications that older adults should avoid or use with caution. Now, since the American Geriatric Society put NSAIDs on the beers list, there's been more recent research that uh, suggests that NSAIDs cause a small but real increase in the risk of cardiovascular events, so an increased risk of heart attacks and strokes. You may have seen that in the news. It was covered in the last year, I believe. But despite these risks of NSAIDs, they're still often bought by seniors at the drugstore because they may not know that NSAIDs are on the beers list of medications older adults should avoid or use with caution. And perhaps even worse, uh, many NSAIDs are available by prescription, and they're often prescribed to older adults by physicians, rarely by geriatricians, but fairly often by other physicians. Because the anti-inflammatory effects of NSAIDs can provide relief from uh, joint pain, from problems such as arthritis or gout, and some other common health ailments. Commonly prescribed NSAIDs include indomethacin, diclofenac, sulindac, meloxicam, and then also celecoxib. They tend to be stronger, so more potent, than the NSAIDs available without a prescription, and unless you use them in a topical or gel form, there is in the United States a topical NSAID, which can be rubbed on a painful joint. Unless you use them in one of these topical forms, then stronger NSAIDs do come with a higher risk of causing those problems for uh, bleeding, for the stomach lining, or for the kidneys. And now I'm going to share a true story. Several years ago, a man who was in his 70s transferred to my patient panel. He had previously had another primary care doctor at a different clinic, and he had been taking a daily NSAID for several months prescribed by the previous doctor because he had chronic shoulder pain. Being a geriatrician and familiar with the beers list, I cautioned him about continuing this medication. This is actually something I do quite a lot in my practice is review the medications people are taking, including the over-the-counter medications. Anyway, I cautioned him about continuing this medication, and I explained to him that it could cause serious internal bleeding, but he seemed a little bit doubtful and told me that his previous doctor hadn't mentioned this, that he was very happy with the pain relief he was getting from it, and he wanted to continue. And since I had just met him, I decided to let it slide for the time being. And a few weeks later, he was actually hospitalized for an internal bleed 
from his stomach, and I felt terrible about it. I really did. So this is not to say that older adults should never use NSAIDs. Even in geriatrics, we do sometimes conclude that the likely benefits outweigh the likely risks. But it's just very important for uh, you as a patient or as a family caregiver, if you're helping an older person with their health, it's very important for you to be aware that these medications are risky and that we generally consider it safer to, if you need a medication to take every day, to try acetaminophen. And if that isn't providing enough pain relief, then uh, we need to consider alternatives and we can consider NSAIDs, but it's just important to take into account the risk of bleed and of kidney problems, and to make sure that patients and families are well aware of this before they decide to proceed. It's also, um, if we decide to continue an NSAID, current uh, best practice recommendations are that the person should also take a medication to reduce stomach acid, because this has been shown to reduce the risk of bleeding, although long-term use of such stomach acid-reducing medications has also been associated with other problems. So that's the tricky thing about medications, is that there are often uh, side effects to consider. So in short, if you're at the drugstore and you're trying to decide what medication would be safest to take most days for chronic aches and pains, in most cases, acetaminophen, provided that you stick with the correct dosing and don't take more than 3,000 milligrams per day, in most cases, acetaminophen is going to be the better, safer choice. Now, let me say a few brief words about aspirin for a few reasons. First of all, I've noticed that many older people still turn to aspirin for pain. It's a habit that they may have gotten into when they were younger. And also, some people may know or have heard that aspirin is technically an NSAID. And so you may be wondering, well, what about aspirin? Is it as risky as those other NSAIDs? The answer is that yes, aspirin is technically an NSAID, but it actually has a different chemical structure compared to the other NSAIDs, such as ibuprofen and naproxen, and even most of the prescription strength NSAIDs. And this is what allows it to be effective in reducing strokes and heart attacks. And so it's sometimes recommended for people who are at high risk of a heart attack or stroke that they take a daily baby aspirin. Also, the particular chemical properties of aspirin mean that it's less likely to affect the kidneys in the ways that the other NSAIDs do. If you'd like to learn more about the risks and benefits of aspirin, I'll post a link to an article in the show notes. The main thing I would say about aspirin in terms of being a painkiller is that within the medical community, we no longer turn to it as a painkiller. We are using it only for these other uh, medical effects, especially in terms of preventing cardiovascular events. And then there's also been some interesting research on aspirin preventing colon cancer. And that can be considered for certain people at a certain risk of that disease. So we no longer turn to it as a painkiller. We think there are better options if the main goal is to treat pain, but many older adults still reach for aspirin to treat aches and pains. And it's also included in certain over-the-counter medications as Excedrin. Uh, in terms of the safety of aspirin, the main thing you should realize is that it does increase the risk of bleeding from the stomach or bowels. So if you are concerned about that or have a risk for that, you want to be careful about that. And 
Otherwise, taking the occasional aspirin for a headache or pain is not terribly risky, but I would not recommend using it several times a week or every day for pain. Instead, I would recommend either considering acetaminophen or discussing with the doctor what might be some suitable ways to manage daily pains. Let me now close with some some tips on the safer use of over-the-counter painkillers. So again, in most cases, the safest over-the-counter painkiller for older adults is acetaminophen, known as paracetamol outside the United States and with the brand name of Tylenol in the United States. And that's provided you don't exceed 3,000 milligrams per day. If you have any concerns about liver function or alcohol use or otherwise want to err on the safer side, don't exceed 2,000 milligrams per day and seek medical input as soon as possible. Personally, I've often suggested to patients that they try taking a tablet of acetaminophen, such as a 500 milligram tablet or a 650 milligram tablet, and that they take that two to three times a day for their aches and pains and see how that works because that usually keeps us well under the safe limits. I've also tried this with people who have dementia and may be having difficulty articulating their pain. And in some cases, they seem to become less irritable. And so we hope that by treating a little bit of pain, we've helped them feel better. Again, if you're concerned about frequent pain, you should be sure to bring it up with the doctor. It's important to get help identifying the underlying causes of the pain and to develop a comprehensive plan to manage the pain. And that should include non-drug approaches to pain. Many of them are safer for older adults than taking medication, but busy doctors may not bring them up unless you ask. Now, if you or your older parent are taking acetaminophen often or every day, you want to make sure you've accounted for all acetaminophen that is being taken every day. So this means looking carefully at medications for cough and cold and prescription painkillers. You need to look at the ingredients list. You don't want to be among those acetaminophen overdoses that are unintentional, or intentional for that matter. But it's important to, to pay attention because if acetaminophen is not used correctly and is taken in too large doses, the health consequences can indeed be very serious. Last but not least, be sure to avoid the PM version of any over-the-counter painkiller. The PM part means a mild sedative has been included, and such drugs... Usually it's diphenhydramine, which is the main ingredient in Benadryl, are anticholinergic. I've brought up anticholinergic medications in the past. This, that's this class of medication that affects the brain and kind of has the opposite effect of the medications we give people when they have Alzheimer's. If you'd like to learn more about those, I will post a link in the show notes to my article on seven common types of anticholinergic drugs that older adults should use with caution. My own approach when I do house calls is to check an older person's medicine cabinet, and if I find any NSAIDs or over-the-counter anticholinergic medications, such as antihistamines or sleep aids, I discuss them with my older patient, and I try to remove them from the house unless there's a good reason to leave them. And if I discover acetaminophen, then I talk to them about how often do you use it and how much and try to make sure that they have a pattern that doesn't look like they're going to exceed that daily limit of 3,000 milligrams per day. Now, what if taking daily acetaminophen doesn't provide enough relief? I mean, honestly, I know there are quite a lot of people who find that the pain relief from acetaminophen is minimal. Uh, This can be especially true if you have advanced arthritis 
or other more substantial problems that are causing pain in your joints or elsewhere. So in this case, it may be reasonable to consider NSAIDs, but should really be for a limited period of time. You should really weigh the benefits and risk carefully with the doctor. You should ask about alternatives. You should again look into non-drug methods of managing pain. Um, Weight loss helps for certain kinds of pains. There are also cognitive therapies that help people change the way they think about their pain and react to their pain, and that's also been shown to help people manage pain more effectively. And then exercise and physical therapy are non-drug methods that often can provide some relief in pain to older adults. Obviously, that's not as easy as popping a pill, but it's often safer and better for people in the long run. So in short, the most important thing is to be informed and proactive. This way, you can help your older relatives or yourself get better care for your pain while avoiding the risk of harm from medications. So remember, be careful about using NSAIDs daily or often. Try acetaminophen, but make sure to not exceed 3,000 milligrams per day. And always talk to the doctors about frequent or persisting pain to get a good evaluation, understand what's causing it, and get help developing a comprehensive plan to address it. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources I mentioned in the episode, including a link to the article that essentially summarizes this episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show on iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison. And I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.